I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Keys went to man! Oh, I can't believe it! Jordan C. Yeah! No! <laughs> he's going to give him out and then he's rubbed his nose. He's rubbed his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? I'm going to be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I'm going to try and slide one in there. Fast. Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, let's head on no, to the stage. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We're back for the second episode of our pre-season podcast content. Joining me today is, well, he made his debut last week and he's uh, he's back to have another crack at it. Prove he's not a one-hit wonder. It's former Sydney Sixers media manager. He's a Cricket Australia commentator, a super coach gun. It's Maxie Bryden. Maxie, how are you, mate? G'day, Tim. I am well, thank you, mate. And uh, g'day to all the listeners as well. Thanks for having me back, mate. Mustn't have gone too bad. Nah, mate. Fired on debut, so let's see if you can back it up. Also joining us today for the first time this season is the 2019-20 Supercoach Big Bash champion, Tomo Aitken. Tomo, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Timmy. Hey, Maxie. Uh, hello, listeners. It's good to be back. It's been a long off-season, and I'm ready to chat a bit of BBL Supercoach. Beautiful, mate. And you got through the off-season all right? Yeah, not too bad. I suppose other cities around Australia are locked down, but being up here in Queensland, um, I'm pretty lucky, so I can't complain one bit whatsoever. Yeah, old mate Anastasia looked after you up there. Guys, on today's show, we're going to do a bit of an international fixture analysis, uh, work who is and isn't available throughout different stages of the tournament. We're going to knock off three previews this week, the Heat, the Hurricanes, and the Strikers. Talk about our pod, Antipod Place, answer a few listener questions at the end, and we'll go from there. Uh, we're going to start with that man, Tomo, who has done a really good breakdown analysis on-site uh, of the international fixtures, just the key dates to be aware of, uh, the key supercoach relevant players that will be affected by it. Um, and it's, it's a much simpler international sort of fixtures this this year than past years when there's players coming and going throughout the entire tournament. Uh, Tom will get to it shortly, but I think it's the early early rounds of the tournament that are the most impacted. Uh, and just quickly, there was a question from Murray Wood uh, on social media asking, who are the definite most likely outs in rounds one to three? Tom, I'll touch on them all pretty shortly. Just a couple that have come up in recent days. Uh, Sean Marsh at the Renegades, who's expected to miss... Uh, around about the next six weeks. So he won't be available till around Christmas, New Year, that sort of period. And Joel Paris, who was semi-popular in a few different sides as well, um, he's in doubt for the opening stages of the tournament, but one to monitor. Tom, I'll flip to you, mate. Let's get straight into it. Um, the international analysis, um, what are the key dates and fixtures that we need to be looking at? 
Sure thing, mate. So in breaking it down, it's anyone that's connected with either the Aussie or Aussie A sides or the England or the England Lion sides. They're the ones we need to be focused on. Uh, the major one for me looking at things is that tour match, Australia A versus the England Lions, which will run from December 9 to December 12. And we just need to be wary because at this stage, we've got sort of an idea of who could be named for Australia A, but there's a lot of people with their spots up in the air. And with any sort of large squads, there's always a few surprises. So looking through, you know, people like Alex Carey might be involved. The Brisbane Heat, who are very super coach relevant because they start off with the double. They've got types of players like Nisa or Steckerty or Swepson that could be involved. And looking also from the England Lions perspective, we already know that Tom Abel from the Heat will be missing, Mahmood from the Thunder, as well as Harry Brook from the Hobart Hurricanes. So they're people to keep in mind that won't be available for that early part of the tournament for the first few rounds. Mm, very nice, mate. And are we expecting the Ashes? Uh, that'll obviously impact the Supercoach fixtures. Do we expect any players uh, that will be involved in the Ashes to take any sort of part in, in Big Bash and probably more uh, more specifically the Supercoach side of Big Bash? Yeah, as a general rule, those who we know are going to be heavily involved in the Test squad, they don't really hold um, any BBL deals at the moment, um, which makes things easier for us that like to play on our sides early. Though that being said, Travis Head is sort of borderline. Uh, Labashane, who was a super coach revelation last year, he'll be busy as so will Nathan Lyon from the Sixers. But as a general rule, it's quite handy because people involved in the test side aren't really going to be involved in the BBL. Yeah, for sure, mate. Uh, minus last year, one of the great price rises in Supercoach history. What he started, about 60k or something, ended up about 240k and was just bonkers. And then uh, the only other one to touch on, which I'm just going through your yarn, which is available on the SC Playbook website, uh, which has all these details and the players that will be infect, uh, impacted, is England versus the West Indies T20 series, which begins on January 22, which is after the Supercoach season. It may impact a few of the, the key Pommy players in particular involved in the Big Bash. Um, but it'd only be maybe the last round or two max of the Supercoach season. Um, so nothing to worry about at this stage of the season. Uh, guys, if you are enjoying the content and you do want more and want to support the site, you can access our premium content. It's $20 for the BBL content for the entire Big Bash season, $40 for the full package, which includes NRL, BBL and AFL, which we'll be jumping into in depth next season as well. Uh, it'll provide you extra articles every single week and every round, provide you access to our subscriber special question and answer podcast. It'll also put you in the running for our major unlimited group prizes and plenty more. We'll shoot those unlimited group links out in the next week or two and we'll reveal what the prizes are going to be. Uh, just touching on our NRL season, the top three ranked super coaches in NRL overall last season were all subscribers to the site. Uh, while our in-house league finished first out of 17,000 leagues. So hopefully we can continue that into the big bash season. Boys, I'll touch on you quickly, Maxi. I didn't uh, mention it with the international analysis. Anything to add to that? Yeah, the only thing I'd add, boys, is uh, a bit of breaking news that came out later this afternoon with the latest round of Shield cricket happening between New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, it was actually announced by New South Wales that they hadn't considered Nathan Lyon, but also Sean Abbott uh, for their squad for the Shield match due to their international commitment. So 
I'd say that while that Australia uh, team is yet to be formally announced, we're going to start seeing a couple of names that will be put into that um, or some of those fringe guys who might be included in a, a, an extended Australian test squad. So um, for me, straight away, that's meant Sean Abbott, unfortunately, had to come out of my starting side for the Supercoach mm. season, which is such, such a shame with the Sixers double. Yeah, that's massive news, mate. So one to monitor, obviously, throughout the remainder of the preseason as we look into round one of Supercoach. Boys, let's get stuck into our analysis, and we'll start with the Brisbane Heat. They obviously are very significant, being on that early round double along with the Sydney Sixers, who you just touched on there, Maxi. Um, I'll get both of your thoughts on these two sides, and I want to basically, let's talk about the guys that you're locking in from the Heat for round one, the guys you're considering, and any guys that you're avoiding, more importantly, in my opinion, uh, because we know how big antipods are in Supercoach. Maxi, I'll throw to you, mate. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Brisbane Heat lineup? Yeah, the Brisbane Heat lineup, it's not too dissimilar to last season. They're mostly made up of local players. Probably the biggest Im- uh, impact to their squad this year has been Michael Nisa, joining from the Adelaide Strikers. Um, in the past, he's been extremely super coach relevant and just has a decent role where he can bat at seven, score a few runs, and also will get through his four overs. Unfortunately, this week, he has picked up a bit of an injury, um, although it does look like he should be fine um, for either consideration in that test squad um, or if he misses out on selection in that, potentially inclusion in the double game week. Um, in terms of locks for round one, one name that's definitely going to be on my team sheet, Majibul Rahman, the Afghan wonder, finally had an, uh, that season last year, which he'd threatened for a couple of years, where he added some wickets to his uh, amazing uh, economy rate. Uh, and apart from that, um, they're a really hard team to predict, given that they're um, usually pretty cut and dry with their bowlers being pretty pretty sort of straight up and down. Um, Not a lot of kind of uh, consistent wicket takers uh, and batters that don't really bowl. So while they do have the double game week, they're a difficult side to predict for sure. Mm, For sure, mate. Um, Do you see, Maxi, we've got your predicted teams on the website. And as you said, there there are a few spots up for grabs there. Australia A will also likely impact them to to some degree, particularly with guys like Tomo touched on before, Nisa, Steckity, probably Mitchell Swepson as well. Um, Jack Wildermuth is one who intrigues me. Uh, we, You've currently got him in your predicted full-strength team as 12th man. Can he sneak into that lineup? And if he does, does he become super coach relevant uh, as a, not a gun all-rounder, but a guy who could play a pretty significant role with bat and ball? Yeah, absolutely he can. Look, the, the Heat had a really interesting uh, role last year for some of their quicks and and guys like Xavier Bartlett as well, who I've got currently uh, in the best uh, strength 11. Um, they're, they're cheap, but they can um, they can score really well in super coach terms. I would expect the, the moment the Nieces gets his name selected in that Australia race squad, which you'd almost expect him to do, that Wildermuth will come straight in at that number seven. Um, and there's play, there's guys all over the place, some cheaper players who could be really relevant for that round one double. Max Bryant, decent price. He was finally announced this week, as we all expected, returning to the Brisbane Heat. And Sam Heaslett as well, two options who could be opening the batting to start that double game week with decent prices. Who, who do you have at the moment, mate? Uh, Maxie Bryant opening or Heaslett? Yeah, I've got Bryant just because of that con- uh, consistency within the role. Um, I know last year at times he was inconsistent, um, which was disappointing not only for super coaches but also the real life ones as well. But I think just it's his class, his his game, his ability to hit the ball in the air. He's so um, destructive in that power play. I think he'll be given first crack. 
Heaslett hasn't really ever lived up to his height um, as a young man who made a century on debut at both first class and list A level. Um, but he did have one good innings last year, uh, and that came from the middle overs, uh, middle order rather. So I'd expect him to be that first choice number five for the Brisbane Heat. But if Ben Duckett, uh, the English international who they've signed this year, is on uh, England Lions duties, which um, he, he's expected to be, uh, it could be Bryant and Hazlett at the top of the order. Um, the other name as well there, of course, is Chris Lynn, who you'd expect to be three, um, to be in that top three as well. Mm. And the other interesting one there is Tom Abel, who unfortunately isn't going... Actually, I'm not going to say unfortunately. I'm going to say fortunately he's not going to be available for the round one double because we know how hard it can be for a lot of these pommies coming down under. Um, it's a bit of a gamble going on. It often takes them a little bit of time to acclimatise to to the conditions in Australia, the Australian wickets and whatnot, um, but makes for really good reading. 53 career T20 matches, averages 34 and a half at a strike rate of 144.94. Coming into the Big Bash tournament, he's recently got scores of 26, 50, 78 not out, 8 not out, 68 and 69, all off bugger all balls. His 68 was off 33 balls, 78 not out was off 45 balls. Um, it's good that we're likely going to be able to get a look at him in the England Lions versus Australia A game, see how he adapts to the conditions, but could play a big role in Supercoach Big Bash this season. Tom, I'll throw to you, mate. And the first one I want to talk about is the opportunity to antipod Chris Lynn, who is going to be in the masses of teams for the round one double for good reason. Now, I know that's fraught with danger because we know what he's capable of with the bat. He was very consistent last season without being probably as explosive as we've seen him in the past. Is there a chance to antipod Chris Lynn if it gets you another gun on the double in in the first round, or is it too big a risk? Uh, it's interesting because last year, 12 months ago, he was certainly someone that was highly owned in the game and someone I would consider antipodding. But this year, after watching his consistency last year, he missed a little bit of time with injury and now he's stepped down with the captaincy. I can just see him having a really big tournament. And he's the Brisbane Heat's best batter by some way in a round one double. So you've got to be pretty game to leave him out. Um, I think I think looking at their team list, I think he'll open the batting. And if he can take full advantage of early um, power play options, he is susceptible to a good ball first up, but all batsmen are. Um, I think he'd be pretty brave to take him or not pick him over a double because if he has one good innings, like he can rack up a really good score and he might be chasing the pack early. So he's someone that I've had in my early teams pretty consistently. I don't think I wouldn't be picking him. What I would say to that, Tomo, though, is you have to look at the matchups that he's got in that round one team. And unfortunately, he's facing probably two of the best three teams in the competition this year, which is going to make it tough for him. Coming up against the Sydney Thunder, who are pretty underrated, but they finished in the top three last year for a reason. They've got a really consistent and settled bowling lineup, particularly Dan Sams up front, I think, can trouble in. And the other team, they've got to go over and make a difficult road trip over to Perth, um, coming up against the Perth Scorchers, who you'd expect to be pretty much the benchmark this season. So um, I, pod uh, or anti-pod, it's, um, even having him in your team, I think, is going to be a bit of a lottery. Yeah, it will be. I'm just going to back him in. I think he's their best player, and I'm going to take him in over double, and hopefully he produces one big score. But they are certainly valid points. Maxi, do you have him in your side at the moment? I don't, but that's because I don't really like to have too many guys who don't bowl in my team, not named Marcus Stoinis. So um, having a look at my uh, my batters right now, um, I've got Dan Sams, Curran all-rounders, Inglis who will take the gloves, Mitch Marsh who could bowl. Um, and the only batter I've got right now 
um, would be someone from the Sydney Sixers, uh, like a Dan Hughes, who's not only cheap, um, you know, but he's he's almost as capable as Chris Lynn and about half the price as well. Yep, nice, mate. And we're actually, I was going to touch on a question that was asked uh, by our very own Matty Broom, who's just joined the SC Playbook crew this week, which is bloody exciting. Finished runner-up two years ago, finished massively well last year as well. He's a gun. Uh, so he's on deck for the season, which is super exciting. Asked a question just around uh, the, these big questions of, you know, going for genuine supercoach guns over players that are on the double, finding that balance in your team of, you know, do you go guns who are only batters or do you go the more safer options of all rounders? We'll make that a topic in the next couple of weeks and have a, a bit of a chat about that. Tomo, anyone else at the heat that you're particularly interested in or maybe looking at anti-potting? Yeah, I'll second Majib. I'm sort of thinking from a Brisbane perspective, I want to pick, in my view, who their best bowler and best batsman is to set myself up. Uh, Bartlett is one that I'm considering as a potential cheap, fast bowler. Um, trying to look into that crystal ball can be a bit tricky, but there's a little bit legitimate chance that Wildermuth, Steckity, Nisa might be playing some other matches, which means that the Heat are going to be left with a bit of a gap in their fast bowling stocks. Bartlett was actually okay-ish last year. We all remember that he was a victim of being subbed out and art bowling one over in numerous matches. There's no Mornay Morkel this year. There's a new head coach, so tactics might change. Um, I just think he looks one that's potentially underpriced and with the Heat potentially missing some guys, um, he could look to bowl four overs. Um, he is coming off a little bit of an injury and has only been playing up in Queensland, grey cricket as a batsman, but he's someone that certainly is in my um, consider and I'm going to watch over the next couple of weeks. Mm, he's a massive watch, Bartlett, isn't he? And as you said, a massive victim of the uh, the extract of the Super Sub initiative last season. People aren't going to look, or the majority of Super Coaches probably won't look into the st- statistics deep enough and take a deep enough dive, but he bowled 15 overs. He took 12 wickets in that time. And I'm with you. I, I think with the likes of, you know, Steckity, Swepson, probably less effective, but to him, uh, and Nisa, who are all a big chance to be playing Australia A, he's probably going to, you know, he's not going to lead their attack. He's a young bloke, but you'll play a big role for them with the ball. You know, if he can pinch a few death overs there as well, at 97K, might sneak under the radar a little bit. Um, a massive, massive one for round one in that double. Boys, let's move on to the Hobart Hurricanes. And, Maxie, I'll start with you. The guys you're locking in, the guys you're considering, and the guys you're avoiding because while they don't have a double too early on in the season, uh, there are some out-and-out supercoach guns in that side. Yeah, this is um, an interesting team to watch, and I think that Hobart Hurricanes are probably that team that everyone secretly second the uh, cheers for their, their second team. Um, and this will actually be the first season I'm not going to start with Darcy Short in my team, um, which in the past has been Supercoach suicide. Um, and that's because I'm really interested in, in his likely opening partner for all of this summer, which will be none other than Matthew Wade. Mm. So it seems like he's finally out of favours with the test selectors after having a decent run in the last few years. And I'll tell you what, he is one of the best players to watch in the shortest format of the game. Those three sixes in a row against Pakistan were no fluke. And what he can do in the power play um, when he's absolutely on song is frightening for opposition bowlers. So he's a guy as well, pretty reasonably priced at about 140k. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to try and fit him in my side for round one. And mate, we saw last season Darcy Short had an okay tournament with the bat, but a lot of his super, super coach scoring it was saved by 
just the ball. He, there, there were weeks he bowled rounds. Should I say that he bowled one over, two overs? Occasionally he'd bowl three or the odd four. It was very unpredictable. But he saved his Supercoach score with a few wickets here and there. The odd economy rate bonus. With their current lineup that they've got there, do you see him rolling the arm over often this tournament, or is it a lottery? It is. It's a complete lottery. He's definitely the sixth bowler, um, and it's really going to come down um, each match to conditions um, and you know potentially even injuries um, across that team. The one thing to watch out for as well, probably with his bowling, has been the emergence of Tim David, um, an all-rounder. Um, I think we've spoken about him before, but a, a real revelation last year. Um, and aside from his um, big hitting that he can bring in a middle uh, order, he can also roll out some pretty handy off-spin. So um, should the should Matthew Wade look that way, um, that there might be competition for that sixth bowling spot. Um, don't have the stats handy, but I'd be very interested to know how uh, Matt Wade, who will skip it, Darcy Short, likes to use him and if he does like to use him as well because that could potentially um, sway some people when they're looking to select him or not. Yeah, we'll have a look into that. And the other one thing that we'll have a bit of a look into before the, the tournament gets underway and we have to find out as our sides is obviously Sandeep Lamashane. I believe he's, he's expected to be in that side for the entire tournament. He played eight games for the Hurricanes last season. Uh, and we'll suss out how many overs Darcy Short bowled while Sandeep was in that side because that's going to have a big impact on it as well. Um, mate, anyone else you wanted to touch on there? Yeah, the other guy that I think has been reasonably popular, um, but there is a bit of a watch on him just due to his injury history, has been Joel Paris. Mm. Um, when Paris burst onto the scene over in Perth, he was he was amazing. Um, did some incredible things in the old defunct Champions League T20 um, for the Scorchers as a young buck. Um, tall, left armour, swings the ball, got himself a couple of Australian one-day jerseys back in the day um, and has made the trip now. Um, and he could definitely be within their best 11 um, should he remain fit. Um, and if he does, swinging the ball up front, I think he's um, he's a really, really good shout and a great price as well, um, potentially to be within definitely the top five cheapies of the year if he can get on the paddock. Mate, just lastly, before I move on to Tomo, you've got Meredith, Ellis, and Bolin there in your, your quick bowling contingent, uh, along with, um, you know, they've got other options, but they'll be their main three. Uh, who bowls the death for the Hurricanes? Definitely Nathan Ellis. Um, Riley Meredith hasn't ever shown um, much uh, wicket-taking ability outside of the, the power play. Um, so I'd say definitely Nathan Ellis with probably support from uh, from Boland as well, who can hit a Yorker. And Ellis is, um, I guess, a, he's, he's been a frustrating watch for the last couple of years at times because he's so good at those death bowling overs, but he's often just looking to restrict runs rather than take wickets, which mm-hmm. means wide Yorkers, not Yorkers on the stumps. So you do get amazing dot ball bonuses and economy bonuses, but um, only occasionally was he taking poles. Um, really tough guy to predict, but certainly you want to look for death bowlers and super coach, and he could he could really be relevant again this year. Mm. Ripping insight there, mate. That's why you'd get paid the big bucks if we had the big bucks to dish out at SC Playbook. <laughs> Tomo, over to you, mate. Hobart Hurricanes, who do you like? Who do you not like? Yeah, look, at top of the order, that's where you've got to start. And Darcy Short, Matthew Wade, they just they were good individual players, but when they come together as a combination, that's when they can actually get the best out of each other. And Short was a tad disappointing last year. As you said, he made up a few of his scores with some of his bowling. Um, he's one that I would like to start with. Um, schedule maybe means it's a bit tricky, but he is underpriced depending on what he could do. 
Um, yeah, Wade, I agree. Wade looked really good in parts of the World Cup, and we know he's going to come here. He's going to open up the batting, and he's produced some wonderful BBL knocks. He's probably underrated in terms of what he's done in the BBL. Um, Paris is that interesting one. The Hobart Hurricanes need an all-rounder. Could he potentially fill that role? There's the slight injury cloud. I reckon the Hobart Hurricanes might have a strong batting lineup, so I'm not sure how many pure batting opportunities he'll get. His bowling figures in the BBL don't look great. 11 wickets in 17 games. I'm seeing a lot of chatter about him, but I'm going to have to watch this space. I'm not one I can personally recommend at this stage. Um, Ellis is right. Ellis bowls the right overs, but he doesn't bowl in a manner that's conducive to supercoach scoring. Um, Boland and Meredith, they can take bags on their day. Um, if there's one that I'm going to avoid at the Hurricanes, I think it's Tim David, and I know he started like a house on fire last year, but just that role, I don't think you can pick someone with the role he plays with any great deal of confidence. Yeah, mate, I like the shout uh, on on avoiding those sort of middle order all rounders because it is a strong batting lineup. We've got Ben McDermott there coming in at three. We've got Harry Brook who. He'll miss the opening few rounds, expected to, due to England Lions duty as well against Australia, eh? But he's another one who comes in in massive form. 43 T20 matches across his career, averaging just a tick under 40, a strike rate of 148. So we've got him coming in at four in this side. Um, Peter Hanscom, probably the least of your worries in terms of occupying the crease for the for them in what we've seen in recent Big Bash tournaments. Uh, but then, yeah, Tim David coming in at six. So it's a really, really good batting lineup. Um, a little bit to ponder there. Mate, McDermott was the other one I wanted to touch on who has massive upside. We know he can go big and he can go very big. Uh, a couple of, He had a 151-point and a 141-point outing last season in Supercoach. Finished the year with a 52.3 average, 163K. Is he one you'd consider or is it just too hard as a, as a single batsman? Uh, it's probably a bit in the too hard basket. Certainly on a double, you might be looking to bring him in. But... Um... Look, I think you've got to start with Short and Wade, and they're both very, very good BBL players. So if I was going to get some batsmen from the Hurricanes, I think they're going to have to sort of start and finish. Yeah, you'd be a brave man to go McDermott over one of those two batsmen above him. Uh, they do have the double game week in round six and round 10 with a bye in between in round eight. Maxi, absolutely stacked with wicket keepers, the, the Hurricanes. Who do you see taking the gloves there? They've got Wade, they've got Hanscom. Um, as key options there and then they've obviously got McDermott as well yeah it's a great question and to be honest I, I don't really know who the best option is I, I would dare say it'll go to Manny Wade just given that being the skipper um, being behind the stumps mm. is a fantastic place to watch the game in T20 cricket um, but they certainly um, certainly sport for choice I guess the only other shout um, to keep an eye out for down in Hobart is Harry Brook um, we see this every single year. Some fella will come from uh, England with an amazing county record, and when he turns up in Australia, he's about half as tall and um, as you know as he was on paper, and um, you know nowhere near as good when it comes to our conditions. So um, I do wish him all the best, and um, certainly his record is enticing, and he might look good on paper. Um, but certainly a big watch on him. I dare say that by that round six double um, after the England uh, A series, um, you should have a pretty good idea worth uh, on his role um, and if he's worth taking the risk on as well. Mm. Nice, mate. Anything to add there, Tomo? 
Yeah, I just I see him and I'm getting um Will Jack's vibes from last year who started <laughs> and he was in everyone's team and the buzzword of the month and he did nothing. So I just I'm getting bad flashbacks, so I don't know if I can do it to myself. Yeah, good call. As we said, uh, like Tom Abel, we'll get a look at him in Australian conditions, albeit in longer form. I assume that Australia game's a four-day or so. Uh, we'll get to see a little bit on how he goes there, Maxi, um, before he ha- we actually have to select him in Big Bash Supercoach. Yeah, absolutely. And look, when you talk about keepers, there's one other bloke who's worth keeping an eye on, Caleb Jewell. Um, oh. he is a young, he's a young native Tasmanian, um, one of the few actual locals um, in the side. Um, he's taken the gloves for the team in the One Day Cup recently down in Tassie. And if Brooke is out, he's the next batter in um, for the team in purple. Um, they have juggled the order at times with McDermott floating anywhere between um, the opener and, and five. Um, and if Jewel locks in that number three spot early doors, only 62K. Um, and the kid's actually got game. Another another left-hander um, who's um, deceptively strong despite his small frame. So a um, bit of a watch on him as well. Could be a decent cash cow. Mate, was it about two or three years ago when I think Darcy Short was the stalwart at the top mm. of the order there going nuts? I think Matty Wade was sort of in and out. Them two were just going bonkers together and running down totals like winning games by nine, ten wickets and you know putting on massive 100-plus partnerships. But when I think it was Matty Wade that was out of that lineup, probably due to Australian duty, Caleb Jewell was coming in and doing just as good a job. Yeah, he's a, he's a very decent bat, and he seemed to just click for him all um, late last season with some really good um, scores in the Shield and and uh, in, in other formats of the game. Um, he, he's a kid who really dominated um, at the level below, um, but it's good to see him sort of finally getting it together. So certainly a name worth keeping in the back of your mind. Yeah, exciting prospect there, albeit uh, he's had a few cracks in the past. Guys, if you do like a punt, check out topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. Check it out. It's unreal. Uh, if you are a big punter as well that often gets barred from bookies, I've been speaking to a few of them lately, which is dangerous, uh, they're definitely worth checking out because they look after you even if you do clean them up. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the Big Bash season, hopefully be cleaning them up as well, although pretty unlikely. Uh, guys, if you are looking to do that and link up with them, use the code SC Playbook. Of course, 18 plus only and gamble responsibly. Boys, let's jump in. We'll break up the previews before we get onto the strikers and take a little bit of a look at a pod or an antipod play that we're looking at for the upcoming season. Uh, myself and Maxie came up with a couple last podcast, but I found a few new ones here. Tomo, I'll start with you. What have you found? Yeah, I'll start with a pod. So the figures might be not fresh. I was a couple of days old when I looked through these. But um, considering the sixes start on the double, Benny Dorsius at around 6.6%. Seem very low to me that someone that's going to bowl there four overs can pinch hit with the bat if the sixes go terribly. He's going to bowl the death and he's scored well in previous seasons. So having around 6.5% did seem very low to me in terms of a pod. I haven't got him in a lot of my trial sides, but yeah, I just think that's very low for someone who's a good player. Uh, Antipod, Jimmy Pearson um, was very, very high. I think if you're going to have a wicketkeeper in round one, it has to be Philippi. And I think there's a couple of others, wicketkeepers like Inglis and Wade, who even though they're on single games, could be very good players. And Pearson can produce the odd cameo when the Heat are in desperate trouble, but I wouldn't be relying on him. And I'll throw this out to you, fellas. I don't know if I'm being a bit silly, but look, Aaron Finch's form at that World Cup was not spectacular. <laughs> and I'm seeing him in every single side. And he's in pretty much all of my sides as well. But 
he's not really banging the door down. And I know he's cheap and there's not many risks, but is there a chance he does again this season what sort of happened last year? I don't know. I, I can't justify it. And I knocked off my Renegades analysis today. And I, the spy said the exact same thing to me off air last week, that he's really looking at basically antipodding and going against Aaron Finch. But I, I just, I think you're getting too tricky. He's 62K. The beauty of Finch is that he's just such an easy, he's a risk-free loop option to start the season. So I don't see him as an antipod sort of move where you're going against a, a Chris Lynn or a Mujib or someone like that. I think, what have we got here? In round one, he plays the third game of the round, so you can basically have a crack at the loop there. Round two, he plays the first game of the round, so he's a perfect loop. And in round three, he plays the second game of the round with the Renegades. So, mate, I just think at that price, he'll free up a stack of cap space elsewhere. Easy loophole. Um, and as we know in Big Bash Supercoach, unlike NRL Supercoach, price rises occur after one game. So if he does come out and goes nuts, not only do you miss the points, but you'll miss a big price rise. I'm not for it, mate, but I I guess I like where you come from, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'd back that up, Timmy, as well. That break-even he's going to walk into on round one is only going to be around 20. So even if he has a failure, gets a 10, but takes a catch, he'll hit it. And, um, you know, if he if he does anything at all on that cricket field, you're just going to miss out on cash, which is um, probably the, the, the biggest thing um, that he can offer this year, as well as that cap space. That's a great call. Tomo, I'll touch on one more thing with you before we move on because before we move on to, to what Maxie's got, but going back to the idea of maybe anti-potting someone like Chris Lynn who, you know, get a couple of peaches of balls and he gets a one and a two or something and just flops. Also, he'll probably be a semi-popular captaincy option. A guy that I wasn't overly interested in until you did your team reveal during the week and it was Dan Christian who... You, you jotted down a guy we spoke before, but Sean Abbott unlikely to be playing probably that opening round double. Uh, there's a couple of other guys in that side, Moe Enriquez, who who won't be a big chance won't be available due to Australia A duties. So, you know, all of a sudden, Dan Christian's looking like he bats at six or seven, and he very well may bowl four overs for them. Uh, and I like him. I like him more and more as a round one play. Yeah, so do I. I just, he performed to his. Well, he arguably performed to his max last season. He started at a cheaper price and he's playing a perfect role. And some games he did it with bat, some games he did it with ball, and he fields in the best spots to keep a couple of catches. Um, look, I think we can be too quick to dismiss what he did last season. And yes, it was near his max and he's getting a little bit older, but he did do it last season. As you correctly point out, the Sixers could be down a few troops. If you want someone that's going to chip away over that first week where he's got the double game, look, I've got him not in all my sides I've had a look at, but he's certainly going to feature in a few. And if he chips away and does his job, he could rack up a bit of a score. So, yeah, I'm not going to discount him as quick as others. And there's also a bit of chat that, I mean, whether he makes the 11 or not, I'm not sure, but Carlos Brathwaite may not be coming over this season. bit of a few rumours there, so we'll wait and see. But... I mean, I, I really don't mind Dan Christian. I don't see him being a long-term prospect because when these Aussie players do come back into the side, I think his role will change uh, and he will probably be overpriced. But for that first round double, I'm liking him more and more. Maxie, what have you come up with? Thanks. 
for my pod play, I'm looking at a cheap right arm off spinner from the team on the double, Ben Menenti. Just give him the golden cap now because we absolutely love the bloke, <laughs> don't we? Now, he is only 76K to start the season. Um, had a bit of a rough patch to, to sort of end last year. Um, but we know that he can take wickets on his day. And what I like about him, um, or is more so the potential for his role this year, he's a little bit older. There's a rumour going around uh, about Jacko Bird and potentially um, suffering a bit of an injury that's going to keep him out of um, a decent amount of BBL. So I can see that he could slot into that Sixers outfit to start the year as well, particularly knowing that the Sixers traditionally hold back Stephen O'Keefe when they play the Hobart Hurricanes because of all the left-handers. Uh, in their lineup. So Ben Menenti, round one, think he's going to have a good role. And at 76K, I think he is going to be in my team. Like it, mate. Uh, the pod play for me that I'm eyeing off, don't know if I'll have the nads to go with it, but gee, I love Kane Richardson as a super coach prospect. 152K. I think the Renegade, every single player in the Renegades is arguably underpriced this season because they won four of 14 games last season. A lot of games weren't even contests. They were just belted off the park. So Richo bowling at the death, he just had no pressure um, in the in terms of match scenario to take those late wickets. And um, as a result, still averaged well, but not what we've seen in the past. Supercoach averages in the seasons prior, 56, 74.5, which came in 15, 15 games and 67 before that. So he's a super coach weapon, and I really think he's a really, really solid pod uh, going into round one. Uh, whether or not to go through, I'm not sure, but one to keep a bit of an eye out for. Boys, last team to cover for the second podcast of the season is the Adelaide Strikers, who do have the double in round two. Uh, start with you, Maxi. Who do you like there? Yes, super, super interesting team and a tough one to try and predict. Um, The big one for them this season as well is uh, Big Filthy Phil Salt not returning. (laughs) Um, Has opened the batting for the last two seasons and that creates um, an opportunity for an amazing new role for one of their batters. Um, And a guy that I've got locked in to open um, in place of him this year is Harry Nielsen. Wicketkeeper, he's backed up Alex Carey for a number of seasons over there in South Australia um, and about 27 years old now. I think his time is now and he's a great price as well. Um, I'd expect if Carey's on Aussie duties, he'll take the gloves, could open as well, dashing left-hander with Weatherald, um, and he's a perfect backup keeper um, for round one to sit on your bench and then have ready primed for that double ready to go. Mm, yeah, huge call. Mate, what about his opening partner, Jake Weatherald, who he's always... Pr- <sighs> He's always scored at a decent strike rate, averaged quite well most big bash seasons, uh, hasn't probably always translated to Supercoach uh, BBL scoring and can be a little bit hit or miss like most batsmen, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's always the difficult thing with this game is um, how many batters you're going to get and hopefully getting them at the right time. But I guess what's going in his favour to start the season, apart from that round two double game week, is he's got the Melbourne Renegades at Marvel Stadium uh, in round one. The Renegades, we wouldn't expect to be a great team this year, which works, but trying to predict what Marvel Stadium is going to play like as well. Um, you know, if you can do that, then you've you probably also got the ability to predict the lottery, um, Melbourne Cup, and, 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 you know, when COVID's going to end as well. So um, I don't know if I'd be uh, bold enough to take the punt on him for round one. Um, but look, having a look at that matchup, it, it does, uh, I, I think it could be make or break how many Adelaide strikers you try and squeeze into your team for round one against the Renegades, knowing that they've got that round two double. Uh, the other bloke I don't mind as well uh, is uh, George Garton. 
Um, left arm quick international from England, first season of the BBL, but one of those blokes who had a bit of a breakout uh, season over in England, which resulted in him getting picked up for the latter stages of the IPL. Now, he's a bat bowl, 125K. Um, will probably open the bowling and sort of take that Michael Nisa role, um, but he does also bat a little bit. Will bat at either number seven or number eight. Um, and look, even though we just said you know, earlier about Harry Brook that taking a punt on English players, unseen English players, can be a bit of a risk, uh, it's a risk that I am willing to take as well, and uh, he's been in most of my mock sides so far. That's massive, mate. So a bloke probably not spoken about too, too much at this point, so... Um, as, as I said, one to definitely keep an eye out for. In terms of stats coming into the tournament, for, for those who don't know a lot about Garten, 44 career, career T20s, 49 wickets in that time, so a decent enough strike rate, uh, economy of 8.28. Uh, and as I said, if he, if he can bowl at the death for them there, that's reason for a higher than normal economy rate. But uh, again, he's going to be low ownership, has the double in round two, so one worth keeping an eye out for. Um, played for the Royal Challengers Bangalore in the IPL, so he's obviously highly regarded and, yeah, one not to probably be sleeping on too much, but we will get a look at him early on. Tomo, mate, what have you come up with? Yeah, look, Garten's an interesting prospect. He could play a bit of a role for the strikers that could be worth some super coach gold with the ability to bowl, some late order hitting. He's quite a handy fielder too. I don't know if I'm as game as Maxi. I probably, I think the round two double works quite well as if I'll have a look at him round one and if he looks like he's going to play a handy role or looks like scoring well, I could bring him in. But if you do start him, you gain that round advantage over everyone. So um, one I would look at, but I can certainly see some people starting him. Um, well, the strikers to me are really interesting. I'm going to assume there's no Travis Head or no Alex Carey and... On paper, the game's not paid on paper, as we know, but their batting lineup does look quite weak. And I'm just thinking early doors, as this is going to be a bit of a factor with their early double in round two. Um, also interesting that they only went two overseas players and not the three. Sort of when you're missing some quality batsmen like Head or Carey, this is when really you could do with an overseas player to prop it up. Weatherall's that interesting one, because if there's no Head and no Carey, he looks like their best batsman. Um, Matthew Renshaw is one that's a little bit interesting for me. He's cheap as chips, um, but I would want to see a clear role or some sort of, I guess, article about what role he's going to play before committing. Um, he could play a sort of anchor type role. I don't think he'll really bowl. I mean, they've got two spinners that are a fair bit handier than him. He might sort of sneak the odd one maybe in the power play, and that would be about it. And, well, we can't really talk about the Adelaide Strikers by without talking about one of the best BBL players um, that's going around in old Rashid Khan. I mean, he does a bit of everything. He's a proven quality player for lots of years. Um, I can't wait to have him in my side, hopefully, for a lot of the year. It's a... Renshaw's a great call because he's a guy who Maxi currently doesn't have in his starting lineup. Uh, I'm just looking at your fixture analysis, Tomo, and you've got the Ozavis England Lions tour match starting on the 9th of December. So we're thinking, you know, more than likely probably Travi Head, um, Alex Carey, you know, probably not available for round one, which means Renshaw sneaks in more than likely as a cheapie. Round two, which is the all-important one for the strikers because they have the double, they play on the 9th and then they play again on the 11th. So... 
you know, there's not going to be a carry and a head sneaking back into that that could cause any chaos. Um, so as that stands, Renshaw, a guy who I hadn't had in my team, if he comes into that order at, say, four at dirt cheap price, um, he'll be pretty hard to ignore. And as you said before, Maxi, but whoever takes that number three spot in the lineup for the double will be pretty hard to go past as well. Yeah, look, it's a fair point, but I think when you're talking about BBL prices at the at the moment, I think with almost the exception of uh, Aaron Finch, you can say that they're cheap for a reason. Um, Renshaw went to water last year when he when he came over from the Brisbane Heat, um, and I just don't think he's really built for this format of the game. So um, roll or not, I don't know if I would be willing to take the punt on him. Mm, fair enough, mate. And... Actually, I won't touch on Rashid Khan now or the question I was about to ask because it does come through in the first of our questions, which I'll touch on from Bees Brock. And he asks, is it worth taking a hit on the double game week, uh, so being round one, to get Rashid Khan in? So basically saying he says he, he currently has Vince, Lamashane, and Nielsen, but would have to go Rashid, Ollie Davies, and Gilk. So, I mean, the important question there is that people will be dealing with and I'll get both of your thoughts on it, but Rashid Khan, just an out-and-out star of the shortest format, or all formats of the game when given the opportunity, but a super coach superstar. Maxi, are you starting your team with him, or are you thinking you'll you get a big price gun for the round one double and then flip Rashid in for round two? Yeah, look, it, it's a really, really tough question, and one of those ones that's going to keep me up at night. Um, prior to the start of the season in, in 18 days. But right now, I don't have him in my round one team. I've favoured his uh, Afghani uh, teammates in Majibul Rahman um, at, at, a, at a slightly more premium price um, ahead just because he has the double. Um, but look, Rashid's one of those guys, once you've got him in your team, he will never leave because he'll only do good things for you. Um, and you could really get off to an absolute flyer knowing that he's got the Melbourne Renegades, a, a weaker team, and knowing that he's playing at an unpredictable pitch like Marvel Stadium as well for that round one. So um, I am probably going to try and find as many ways as possible to get him in. Um then look, it's it could be one of those make or break calls to really set up your season if you do take the punt. Mm. There's a lot of things, so many things to consider with Rashid Khan, with the strikers. And one thing I was looking at was, I'm with Tomo in that the batting order without Head and Carey in there looks really, really weak. So it could be a situation where the strikers bat first in that round one game where we're tossing up whether to start with Rashid Khan. Uh, if they don't put many runs on the board and don't have too much to mm. defend... Um, the Renegades will just be able to sort of pick and choose when they want to play on basically seeing out Rashid Khan, which could really, really impact his Supercoach output. Tomo, what are you thinking, mate? Are you starting with Rashid Khan in your team? Yeah, um, I'm with Maxi. I'll start with Majib, I think, at this stage and turn it into Rash with my first trades. They're very similar prices. It makes a bit of sense to me. Uh, he's an absolute gun, but even the guns do need a total to bowl at or need some pressure. And yeah. look, the strikers may have some guys that step up, but with their weakened lineup, playing the Renegades, who may improve this year, but they weren't much chop last year. Marvel, as we've alluded to, who knows what sort of pitch that's going to be in. There's a few little question marks there. Look, he might come out and score brilliantly. Um, but I think he's someone I'm going to trade in. Big, big question going into round one, and, and we'll have massive implications on the overall rankings after that first round of Supercoach. Boys, last question from Lukey Johnson says, an easy one. 
Just wanting your thoughts on the big man, the Stoin. Stoin to start the season. Uh, I do think he's definitely underpriced. And Max, I'll start with you. Uh, any, I think you mentioned earlier you've got a bit of interest in the Stoin and probably more importantly, chance at rolling the arm over or do we see him playing a limited role with the ball this season? Look, he is a guy who really gets Big Bash um, and Big Bash super coach in the sense that he usually takes his time getting to 20, um, making sure he gets that strike rate bonus before he hits the accelerator, which is fantastic for um, guys like us who, who love to play this game. Um, will he be in my team to start the season? Gee, he's tempting, isn't he? Especially yeah. at that price. I think he's every chance to bowl, um, albeit his bowling did curtail at the end of that World Cup. Uh, no sort of um, uh, chatter about any potential injury, but you do also just never know um, <laughs> with, with Big Puppy what, you, what you're going to get. Um, is he going to be in my my side to start the season? At this stage, I've actually favoured Josh Inglis over him. Um, just because I like having that slightly higher ceiling um, with a guy that can potentially take the gloves and catch. Um, and I think what you've got to keep in mind as well, um, since the last time that Stoinis was bowling, keeping in mind that he didn't bowl at all last year, is you now need to roll out three overs um, in order to make sure that you're getting that um, economy rate bonus, which is so handy for those bowling options. So um, he's super tempting, but right now I don't have him in my team. Mm. Yeah, like it, mate. Uh, Tomo? Yes, look, if he did go back to bowling regularly, he'd be the first picked in everyone's team. I kind of get the feeling that even though he bowls a bit for Australia, he's kind of someone that's going to bowl more for Australia compared to the Stars. I think the Stars will sort of use him in case of emergency type thing, and I can see him rolling the arm over potentially, but I don't think he'll get many overs at this stage. Would I start him? Um, Look, you don't want to start pure batsman, but... He's one of the best in the business. Um, he can score big on his day. Look, you've certainly got to think about starting him at some stage, considering the Stars do have a double early on in the season as well. Yeah, I mean, you just, you look at his at the Melbourne Stars, Maxi's predicted round one lineup, and look at their bowling options there. They've got um, Ahmed there, Hatcher, Rainbird, Zampa, Coulter Nile. Then they've got options like Cartwright there, Maxi, who probably bowls a few overs as well. They've just got stacks of options. And if they don't need to risk Big Stoin getting injured again, which they, they won't want to, they don't need to bowl him really. So I, th- I think you're right, uh, Tomo. He's, he's probably more likely to bowl for Australia than he is the Stars based on that lineup they've got there with their plethora of all-round options. So, um, But we also know that he's good enough to do it with the bat alone and he doesn't need the ball to, to score well in Supercoach. So again, someone who's probably underpriced regardless if he bowls or not. Boys, let's wrap it up there for the second episode of the pre-season Supercoach Big Bash podcast. Uh, Maxi, I think you've backed it up pretty well, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. Cheers, Timmy. Cheers, Tomo. Always fun, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Nice, mate. And Tomo, huge on your first effort of the season. Thank you, mate. A little bit rusty, but it's good to be back, and I'm sure we'll chat a few more times this summer. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 